Mirohovo Open Air Museum sits adjacent to Halosievsky National Natural Park with no clear line of demarcation. One could wander between the two and never grasp the difference, that is, until the visitor catches a sight of the historical wooden huts, the living diorama, and their ensemble of authentic windmills. Peter drove while Liliana navigated their direction, passing early morning commuters yawning in their half-sleep. He parked the car at the visitor entrance, and they set out on foot to begin their day. What a marvelous day this is becoming, Peter proclaimed, but Liliana was already ahead. She had a campaign to manage and tactics to employ to beat the crowds. Her plan? Move quickly through their itinerary. First, they would visit the windmills, then they would check out the authentic wooden homes, including a traditional Ukrainian church, all before lunch. Other potentially interesting places, along with the interpreter's presentations, would wait until after lunch, salami's cheese that she had packed in a small case. Peter hurried to catch up as the busy ticket guard stopped her at the main entrance. So this is Pirohovo, Peter continued. Yes, or Pirohiv, she answered with minor correction as she stepped into the queue. It feels good to stretch to really be here, he continued again. Liliana purchased their tickets and lightly ran across the grass to the first exhibits while Peter again played catch-up. Look, the church! Liliana pointed in the general direction. Peter could not confirm as he had never seen a wooden church. We're going there, right? Peter asked, not thinking. Of course, she answered. Since she had much to show Peter, Liliana nearly forgot him in her rush. What is more, she somewhat scolded him for not keeping up with her. He hurried, or at least tried, but the sight of the old town and cottages set among the fields and forests so close to Kiev distracted him with their enticing thatched roof configurations set amid haystacks and wattled fences. Thus he often dallied. Such things did not exist in his home city in Ohio, in the U.S. Midwest. When the citizens and government of Kiev had laid the roads, built their buildings, and generally fortified their town, Ohio was unheard of by the Europeans. Then Ohio consisted of rolling hills and flat pre-Western prairies belonging to several aboriginal tribes whose culture did not include the shaping of metals. Furthermore, in modern Ohio, pine wood still was the chief construction material for residences. Although the homes were sophisticated, they were wood nevertheless. Kiev's construction materials were of stone and baked brick, lending a permanency vastly different from Peter's home city. The pulse of Kiev's apartments and homes built and rebuilt over the century amazed him. To Liliana, however, the sites were commonplace. From her perspective, modern was the last 200 years. More interesting were the sectors settled by the early feudal monarchies of Kievan Rus. Liliana slowed her pace, but it was still a trot as compared to Peter's sightseeing tempo. Tension between their styles strained both. Liliana with her strong gait directed to one specific object or place versus Peter's enthusiastic meandering with little care or purpose as a child finds everything new. Ukraine was different from Western Europe, and between Kiev in the east and Lviv in the west, 
Ukraine was, in many ways, a crossroads of both Eastern and Western cultures. In Lviv, the Polish-Austrian Habsburg influence was evident, yet the tastes were uniquely post-communist. While Peter was seeing Ukraine, Liliana was hurriedly rushing past it. No, she was it, so much so she could not see it. Finally, Peter stopped her. Um, you said you had traveled to Spain and Norway. He tried to divert her. How long did you stay there? Oh, a month or less for each, she recollected. His ploy, however, did not work, for she returned to her singular cadence. The morning tour of the exhibitions went well, though their conversations stayed on the same level from the start. Each worked at being nice to the other. Each played with comparisons they could make from their own storehouses of knowledge. It was tiring, but interesting. Liliana led the way and fretted at times for Peter to keep up with her. She was energetic, excited about her obligation to lead Peter through her tour and to impress him with a satisfactory experience of Ukrainian folk culture, even as she scolded herself for not taking him other places. Those opportunities would come later, she apologized. Peter agreed, but with some reticence, he was not sure why. Nevertheless, the morning progressed against the backdrop of the rising heat, until at last both the temperature and hunger drove them back to the city for a late afternoon meal. At their belated lunch, the pizza was excellent, baked in a stone hearth heated by a small wood fire, burning adjacent to a paella. Whitish ash appeared on some of the edges, but the pie's taste was unaffected. With toppings of four or five kinds of local cheeses and fresh salami, Peter's pizza was noticeably gone within minutes. His hunger was abated. The beer, it too local, vanished from his glass. Peter ordered another beer, while Liliana labored on her portions. Yet Peter was primed for after-meal talk. Why do you like these old places? Peter asked her. I suppose they're like teachers of mine, Liliana began. I see them just as important as perhaps some people I know. They talk with a silent language. She broadly smiled, thinking her analogy was humorous. I think, Peter followed, that they are part of you, a part of how you see yourself. It's an odd thing to be old and young at the same time then, is that right? she asked, again thinking herself clever. Old and young are forever joined. There are days when all I can see are old things. My ideas, my face. Maturity does not enter into it. It's a mindset. Then other days I can't believe how young I am. I run and play like a child, but those days are infrequent. A crack in Peter's shell appeared. For the first time that morning, she looked directly into his eyes. Why is that? she asked, not prying nor condescending. She was genuinely interested in his reason if he had one. Indeed, his idea struck her as her idea. How long had it been since she too had romped like an adolescent? Peter did not answer right away. Indeed, he considered not answering. His patterns of work and isolation had become a rope which coiled about his throat and suffocated him, hindering his ability to talk. I, I don't know. He answered with a white lie, a polite way to break the silence. 
However, Liliana waited. Something in his deportment opened, but then closed. She wanted inside, not to be left on the outside, for it was the first time they had really talked to each other, about each other. In prior days, their discourse passed like confetti on a windy day, full of chit-chat and topical headlines and ephemeral gossip. Oh, how she missed talking about each other. I'd like to hear, Liliana reassured Peter in a soft voice. Her tone grew comfortable and calm. She did not need to be the tour guide. She wanted desperately to touch Peter's hand and pour her feminine energy inside his troubles. Her inner woman wanted to consume him and thus console him. There was a time, perhaps, when I would care for nothing, he began, but I met someone. He stopped. Panic froze Liliana's wits. Perhaps Peter was engaged or attached to another. It was stupid, she thought, but she instantly turned jealous. They had no romantic relationship, yet she hated the other person, whomever she was. Y you have a wife? Liliana directly asked. No, had one. Oh, I see, she backed off. No, you, you don't understand. She passed away. Liliana suddenly became uncomfortable. She was flush with her own unchecked emotions, sorry for Peter's state, and even a bit angry at herself for getting into the situation. I'm glad you asked, though, Peter tried to appease. He did not want to alienate Liliana, though the subject was painful. She died in an auto accident. The police said it was a single car crash, and the weather was bad, rainy. The tires I had not checked. We had been married only six months. She was a student and I was just out of graduate school looking for a job. The information poured out easier than he had anticipated. Liliana listened with her eyes fixed upon his. Sentiment flowed out of him, something which she almost physically felt. The police, though, did not find the note, Peter added as moisture sprang from his eye. Oh, God, she thought, not a suicide. Liliana noted Peter's change in tone. The way he dropped the word note stung him. His face conveyed his gloomy anguish. Her mother, her mother found it. Peter tried to continue, in my pocket, putting things away. I did not know it was there. Peter fumbled for the words and drank a mouthful of beer. The waitress came by and asked something in Russian to him, but he could not catch the meaning and turned to Liliana, who was already answering the question. She left, and Liliana translated. She wants to know if you like the pizza and would pay now. Liliana had scorned the waitress for choosing that moment to break into their private conversation. Peter laughed nervously. Well, uh, enough, I suppose, he said. Their conversation momentarily lulled, but Peter returned to the subject of their happy morning. Liliana sensed the urgency to suspend their evening plans to improve their mood. She suggested that they take a nice walk to a sweet shop, which she knew was excellent. Vereniki, dumplings with cherries, was her own choice, but Peter selected the Makivnik, a Ukrainian poppy seed roll. At another shop, the pair found ice cream, and their gloom disappeared.
The partly cloudy sky shielded them from the sun's late radiation, cooled their skin, and buoyed their mood. The beer, too, helped their humor. The dessert floated their spirits, and the day was spent. Liliana had about an hour of work to do that evening, and so they vowed to visit another cultural feature later. On the return drive in Peter's rented car, they talked about his work, Liliana's irascible bosses, her family, some of his, but only once did they mention the tears of Persia, and nothing of Peter being a widower. When he dropped her off at her mother's home in the Novobilchi area, she dropped the hint. I can come by tomorrow and check the plant. Oh, that's fine, he answered, but I can water it if you want. It's no trouble. Peter was trying to be kind and thought he was helping her, but he was not. Uh, okay, but no, don't trouble yourself, she tried to reply. Well, I, I'll see you later. Peter then realized he missed her tip-off and tried to backtrack. Um, I had a marvelous day, he added. Thanks for the trip. No, really, thanks. I enjoyed being with you. He was clumsy, he thought, but could not think straight enough to correct his deficit. Me too, she answered, and looked directly in his eyes. She went inside, and as Peter drove down the quiet street, he thought of their day's pleasantries. As he parked the car, he would return it tomorrow, he could smell her perfume on his shirt. In bed later, all he could do was ponder the outline of her shoulders and her lips that fit perfectly within her face.